What did Jesus mean by that? The third fundamental principle to live by is separation from self. Your success is directly linked to your priorities. The things that you prioritize in life shape your life and make you who you become. That's why when God gave the Ten Commandments to his people, he set priorities for them. He intentionally attributed the first three to himself. When God was, given, was giving the Ten Commandments to Moses, he started by himself, then the second one, himself, and the third one, himself. Why? He wanted them to understand it has to start by me, then me, and then me. The first three commandments are about God. The last seven are about our relationship between us and each other. The first commandment instructed people to worship God alone because he knows that if we get worship right, everything else will fall into place. If we get worship right in life, Everything else falls into place. Whatever comes first on your list of priority is what you worship. Whatever you prioritize before God is your idol. You spend time with your idols and you enjoy it. You spend money on your idols. You show passion to your idols. Your idols influence your behavior. So, if you get your worship right, you get your life right. That's why God started by, you will worship me alone. I am the only God. I, he wanted to get their worship right before they get into anything else. Before they think about their neighbors, their jobs, and everything. I am your God. Worship me alone. Throughout many generations and cultures, people have tried different idols. Many. But none of them has truly satisfied a human heart. But there is one idol that has been worshipped all around the world from generation to generation. It has been worshipped everywhere. It's so powerful and so influential that even Christians worship it. The funny thing is, even atheists worship it. Do you, can you imagine? We share the same idol with Muslims and Buddhists. There is one idol that every human has bowed to at least once in their lifetime and is worshipped everywhere and all the time. Priests worship it. Pastors have worshipped it. Politicians bow before it. Celebrities worship it. Poor people worship it and rich people worship that idol. It's so popular that it spread from Hollywood to Bollywood, from the villages of Africa to mega cities in the West, from Canada to Sydney. Everybody worships this idol. Education does not change your attitude toward it. Wealth does not change your attitude toward it. Age does not change your attitude toward it. It is the oldest idol, yet the most popular in our postmodern culture. It has been around since Adam and Eve. Satan used it to destroy Adam and Eve's future, and he's still destroying your life today through it. He's still destroying people through that one idol. 
Satan tried to use it even against Jesus. One idol that everybody falls and worship. And we all get trapped into it. It is the cause of many family breakdowns, business breakdowns, even political breakdowns. It is the cause of suffering on earth. It is the most appealing, yet the most dangerous idol. It is nothing else but the idol self. It is known as I in English. I. The worship of self is the cause of political and economical conflict. The worship of self is the cause of many divorces. The worship of I is at the center of sin, S-I-N. The God I is the reason why sin exists. I, me, pride, selfishness, arrogance is the reason why Satan was cast out of heaven. Selfishness is still the primary tool of deception in the hands of the enemy. The only thing the enemy has got in his hand that can manipulate every human being is pride. The worship of self. He knows if he gets that right, he can manipulate. It's his remote. The reason why Eve surrendered to Satan was because she was compelled to worship I. She fell into the trap of worshiping self. She was told. This is what Eve was told. You would become like God. And she felt, oh, what an opportunity. I will become like my creator, like my maker. What an opportunity. I was challenged. Her desire to become like God, her selfish ambition, her own ego destroyed her and destroyed all of us. However, Jesus overcame Satan because there was no traces of selfishness in him. Every attempt for Satan to tap into I of Jesus, into self, failed. Satan told him, you will become more powerful. He said, I don't care. You can do that and I will prove, no, no, I don't care. Turn that into bread and I don't care. Jesus did not need to prove himself. His ego, <laughs> his ego was not tempted. The reason why we fell is because our ego is so fragile. Separation from self is the third fundamental principle to live by. Do you remember the first one? Loving God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second one is loving your neighbor as Christ loved us. And the third one is separation from self. You get these principles right. Don't make them just principles. Make them values. You live by these principles in your life. Make them values. Your maturity is measured by how you manage self. Your maturity is measure, measured by your humility. Your maturity is measured by your humility. Your victory over Satan is determined by your attitude towards self. To mature, you will need to go through three stages. So let's go through th three stages. Let's go together through these three stages. Stage one. Stage one. 
you come to Jesus, the first thing you should do is surrender self. So let's start from there. Surrendering self. Luke chapter 14 verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sister and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus, the one who knows what's best for you, he says, you cannot follow me unless you hate your own life. Becoming a disciple requires trust in the master's wisdom at the cost of your own wisdom. If you have, if you have any. <laughs> you should trust Jesus' wisdom at the cost of your own wisdom if you think you are wise. There are moments in life when obeying Christ will mean going against your own will, your own plans, and your own desires. And I'm not saying you should, have, you should not have plans. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you should trust his plans more than you trust yours. Following Jesus may cause you some pain. Following Jesus is sometimes inconvenient. And therefore, Jesus used the verb to hate. Because you will cause pain to yourself when you are trying to follow him. Because sometimes you have to endure pain to do what he asks you to do. But you don't just follow him blindly because he knows best. You trust him to know more than you do, to know better. That's why we follow him. This is not just a kind of hate that causes self-harm. No, it is... Not just the kind of hate that you stop looking after yourself. No more showering. I love Jesus. I'm following Jesus. I won't going to shower anymore. <laughs> That's not the kind of hate Jesus is asking us to do. You still need to shower. And eat. It simply means going against your own desires. For Jesus' desires. Following Jesus is not a blind religious exercise. It is... Rational decision to trust the one who knows what's best for you. Matthew chapter 19 verse 27. Let's look at the disciples. Peter answered him, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Peter is talking to Jesus and bragging. God, Jesus, you see, we have left everything to follow you. What do we have in this business? What are we going to get? You see a business mind? Peter was a business person. We have left everything back. That means we have left houses and businesses and our fishing equipment and all that we left behind. So what's the deal? What are we getting in return? The 12 disciples claim to have left everything to follow Jesus. But they forgot to leave one thing. Their idol self. The disciples were still preoccupied by personal ambitions and positions. That's why Peter was saying, what is in it for us? They even engaged in an argument about their proximity to Jesus in heaven. Look at this. We have left everything. That's what they are saying. Listen to this carefully. The reason why I believe they did not leave their self back home. Luke chapter 9 verse 46. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them will be the greatest. For the Bible to call it the argument, these people were not just having a chat. 
they, they were raising their voices. You can't have an argument just silently. I will be first before you. I will be first before you. No. It was an argument. These men were raising their voices at each other. For the Bible to call it, to register, to record it as an argument. Who will be closer to Jesus in heaven? If they left everything behind, why were they preoccupied by positions? If they've left everything behind, why their proximity to Jesus was so important? These men were not having a normal conversation. They were arrogant. They were selfish. They were raising their voices. Then Jesus answered them in Luke 9, 48. Jesus answered. Then he said to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you all who is the greatest. Now Jesus is trying to help them understand the kind of leadership he has. Mark chapter 9, 34 to 35. But they kept quiet because of the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Now they are being ashamed. They realize that to be closer to Jesus, you'll be to be the humblest. They realize to be closer to Jesus, you, need, you don't need to argue about it. Now they keep quiet. Sitting down. Jesus called the twelve and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Anyone who wants to be first must be the servant of all. Jesus is now settling, settling the matter. Don't argue about it. You, you just need to earn it. Wash the feet of others. Serve others. You earn it. Don't claim it. Don't fight about it. Just serve others. You'll be first. Jesus was dealing with their idol, their self selfishness. Self was still at the top of their priorities. They left everything behind because they thought they were going to get something out of what they were following. And Jesus told them, get your priorities right. Becoming a disciple of Jesus includes surrendering your future some of your relationships, your time, your self-ambitions, your interests, and sometimes your own right to Jesus. Are you still with me? The benefit of surrendering everything is that Satan cannot use what's in Jesus' hands anymore. Listen to me. Everything surrendered to Jesus is blessed and protected. Whatever you keep to yourself is accessible to Satan and can be used against you. Don't forget this. Even your children, even your marriage, even your job, even your money, whatever you keep to yourself, Satan can use it against it, against you. Whatever you give and leave in Jesus' hand is protected and blessed. Everything you keep to yourself, everything you worship is into the devil's hand. Don't let anything take your focus from Jesus. That's what Satan wants. He wants us to lose control, to lose focus, so that he can use that very thing against us. In other words, if you worship Jesus, he becomes the number one priority in your life. If Satan tries to shift, shift your attention, he fails. The only time Satan gets your attention in is when you worship other idols. When something else occupies the first place, Satan gets his way. 
That's when he introduces all the advertisements of things that will make you happy, that will make you famous, that will make you powerful, that will make you rich, and so on. There is nothing wrong about becoming rich, famous, or happy. But when happiness or money become your first priority, you are at the mercy of the enemy. Whatever you consecrate to Jesus is blessed. Whatever you keep to yourself is used against you. If you surrender yourself to God, yourself is blessed. If you maintain the control of self, Satan uses you. Surrendering to Jesus is to trust his will more than yours. Surrendering to Jesus is to trust his wisdom more than your knowledge. Surrendering to Jesus is to trust his voice than your own plans. It is to say, not my will, but yours, Lord. It is to know him not only as your savior, but also as your Lord. It is to keep him at the top of your priorities every day. Second, you have surrendered your life. Now you move to the next step that we are calling denying self. Then he said to them all, Luke 9, 23. If anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. If you want to come after me, Jesus is saying, you must. It's not a suggestion. After surrendering self comes denying self. And denying self is not a suggestion. It's a prerequisite for following Jesus. Jesus called upon those who wish to be his followers to reject the natural human inclination towards selfishness. Denying self includes overcoming the persistent fleshly demand of the body. Your flesh will always try to pull you towards sin. And sin is self-destruction. Jesus knew unless we maintain self under control, we are going to self-destruct. Our self longs for money, power, and sex. Our self. Unless self is taken under control, these three impulses will take over. Unless the natural self is brought into submission to God's word, it will be at the mercy of money, power, and sex. Everything we do is motivated by money, power, or sex unless self is denied. Decisions we make are often influenced by how much money we think we will make, how much glory or appreciation or credit we will receive, how much influence or power we will get, or how good we will feel about what we are doing, isn't it? Naturally, we all feel bad when we invest our time into doing something and we do it well and someone else receives the credit, don't we? We all have the desire to be recognized, at least for the things we have done well. It's not wrong. It's not wrong. But denying self means even when you don't receive the recognition you deserve, you still serve well. Even when you don't receive the recognition, you still move forward and do well what you're supposed to do. Sometimes we stop. You know why we stop? Because we were not recognized. I organized, I was the chairman of a committee that organized the conference. I spent month and month pulling people together, teams, 
fundraising, putting everything together. And, and, and the pastor trusted me to organize it. I had a strong team and we did a great job. Transportation, drivers, accommodation for guests. And oh, it was a big event. People came from many countries to come to that event. It was big advertisement, posters, radio, television. People came, hundreds and hundreds of people for the whole week. Every day I was working hard, getting home late. My wife was seeing me really, really like maybe one hour per day for the whole week, sacrificing my, my, my children and my family to get that conference right. At the end of the conference, the last day of the conference, the pastor comes on the platform with a long list of people to thank. He started, we thank this person for driving, this person for giving money, that person for cooking, that person for ideas, that person for singing, that person for doing host and hospitality, that person for the tech team. God bless you, go home. My name was not mentioned. I was like, what? A long list like that without me? I was the chairman of the, I make it happen. I made it happen. How can you forget me, pastor? I went home like Tom and Jerry. Very broken, like broken like Jerry. Walking slowly with my hand behind my back. What happened to me today, God? Do you even care about me? I went home, couldn't sleep. Do they even acknowledge me in this church? Do I even matter here? After month and month of sacrifice, my name was not mentioned. And then they mentioned that guy. I hired that guy. They mentioned that guy. I hired that guy. I brought that person. And I encouraged that. In fact, that person wanted to quit. It's because of me that person stayed. And then I just heard a soft voice telling me, deny yourself. Mike, you did it for God. You did it for me. If they don't recognize you, I do recognize you. You know, sometimes we, we forget that even when men don't recognize us, God does. And there's nothing wrong to appreciate people. When you don't get recognized at work or wherever you are, still praise God. That's why Paul says, do it as if to the Lord. Because he knows if we don't do it as if to the Lord, we will be crushed when we don't receive the recognition. Every sin you've ever committed or you'll ever commit is originated from self-love. If you are struggling with pornography, and I understand it's tough, I understand you may have tried to stop with no avail, but you and I can agree that you do like it. You like it, my friend. You like how it makes you feel. At the end of the day, self is happy with it. That's why Jesus wanted his disciples to be ready to deny self. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Galatians chapter 5 verse 24. Sacrifice the body, the flesh, and its passions. Sin is a product of our love for self. Victory over self is victory over sin. Victory over self is victory over Satan. The decision to deny yourself of the passions and the desires of the flesh is yours. 
You must make that decision. But the strength to overcome, to overcome comes from God. You just need to be willing and God will do the lifting. Just be willing. God will do the lifting. Sometimes you need to choose what feels right over what feels good. Sometimes you need to choose what's right over what's popular. Sometimes you need to choose what's right over what pays big money. The last one is dying to self. Galatians 2.20 says, And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The person who engages on the journey to follow Jesus begins by surrendering self, then he moves, denying self, and the last stage now is, oh, I'm mature, I can, I can die to self. Maturity is reached when you die to self. The person can now say, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The mature Christian recognizes that their plans, their future, their priorities are set by Jesus. In other words, they can only move forward with plans that glorify Jesus. They can only engage in relationships that please Jesus. They can only invest their time and resources where Jesus approves. They cannot go places Jesus cannot go. They cannot speak a language Jesus cannot speak. And I'm not talking about English or Chinese. I'm talking about swearing or cursing. They cannot watch what Jesus cannot watch. They can't sit in the room Jesus cannot sit in. They make decisions as if Jesus was making them. They always ask themselves, what if Jesus was here with me? Could he still do this? Mature believers. Dying to self, it's easier said than done. Many people talk about it. It's not proven until it's tested. You want to know a Christian who has, been, who has died to self? The enemy knows how to test your self-love. He knows it. The enemy knows how to deal with self. He started with Adam and Eve. He's got experience how to manipulate humans' self. He knows Himself, he was cast out of heaven because of it. He knows how to push your buttons. So, dying to self means that you don't always have the final say. You don't have to make that decision every time. And listen to me. Listen, watch this. It means you don't always have to be acknowledged or appreciated. It means... You need to recognize that other people, other people's idea can be as valid as yours and sometimes better. It means saying sorry even you only own 1% of responsibility. Dying to self means it doesn't matter if you've just, you earn 1% of responsibility and 99% is what they have done wrong. You apologize for your 1%. Dying to self. It's easier said than done. 
It means being first to apologize and seek peace. It means doing nothing out of self-ambition, but in humility considering others as more important than yourself, not looking out only for your own interest, but also for the interest of others. Philippians 2, 3 to 4. It means letting people who know less than you do, people with less experience than yours, teach you. It means... Winning a war is better than winning a battle. Married people, listen to this. Winning a war is better than winning a battle. Sometimes it's better to withdraw and let the other person win the, the battle. Because you want to win the war. A person who has died to self recognizes their right, sometimes fights for them, and then gives them away for a greater cause. Dying to self does not make you a fool. You still recognize your right, you still fight for them, but once you have them, you give them away for a greater cause. And sometimes the greater cause is peace in your marriage or in your family. Sometimes the greater cause is to see the church advance. Sometimes the greater cause is to see someone come to Jesus. The war, not the battle. Whatever great cause you are involved in, it must be bigger than yourself. Do you know that your marriage is bigger than you? Your family is bigger than yourself. Your church is bigger than yourself. God did not create these entities to function around us. God created family, marriage, church, so that we can function around them. We should serve these entities, not the other way around. Last scripture, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Matthew chapter 10, verse 39. The result is, or, is already predetermined. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. If you always want to be right, always to make the final decision, always to be appreciated, always, 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 you have lost the battle. I always tell my children, you can choose to enjoy now or pay later. Or pay now and enjoy later. Surrendering to Jesus is not fun. Denying yourself is not pleasant. Dying to self is not a joke, I'm telling you. However, the reward is priceless. The reward is healthy families. The reward is strong marriages. The reward is healthy communities, healthy churches. The reward is the name of God glorified. Just imagine a family, is, a family where everyone, including the selfish uncle you have, the selfish auntie in your family, just imagine that person is not looking out for their own interest. Just imagine a couple where everyone is paying attention to the needs of the other before their own needs. Just imagine a community where leaders are committed to serving the people first. A nation where authorities are committed to the needs of the people first. DRC, my country of origin, would be a paradise. Luke 14, 11, For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. James 4, 6, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Your maturity is measured by your humility. My maturity is measured by my humility. 
Don't forget this. Your maturity is measured by your humility. 